0: Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOpen.com. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am so delighted you're here with me today. Today we have a special guest we have with us Miss Vanille Makwakwa, and she is an author, a speaker, and a podcaster. She has two podcasts. She has the Money Magic podcast and also the Property Magician podcast. And so she is going to talk to us today about all things having to do with money magic. And I cannot wait to hear more about that because you know that I'm always interested in how trauma affects us and blocks us from really calling in abundance and so we're going to kind of tap into that today as well as learn more about these amazing podcasts so thank you so much for being here today with us and thank you so much for being here today with us too vanilla
1: thank you so much melissa this is such a huge pleasure and honor thank you for hosting me
0: no, I love you. Like you lead a fascinating life because I know that you travel pretty extensively, which I, I love yeah. to travel too. So I'm so um, thankful that you're able to take time out of your busy schedule to join us today and to talk to us. And um, Oh, thank you.
1: Like it's, <laughs> it's great that I can.
0: Yes. It's so good <laughs> like, to have you here. And before we yeah. dive into the topic of magical money and money magic how about if you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey how did you go from just living your normal life to starting two podcasts because that's a lot
1: (laughs) I always say okay so how did it start okay so I was living my normal life just traveling not doing much of anything well not doing much of podcasting but listening to a bunch of podcasts um and i was in thailand i was living in thailand at the time one of i used to live in boston massachusetts so guys you'll often hear me talk about so many different countries so i was living in boston massachusetts and i met and i made friends with a guy called john griffith who's also a coach but also in real estate At the time, though, when I was in Boston, John and I were just friends. He wasn't in real estate. And then when I got to Thailand, he then was like, man, we haven't spoken in years. Like, I need you to hop on Zoom with me. I need to tell you what I'm into. I'm into real estate. And at the time I thought, oh my gosh, you need so much money to get started in real estate, right? That's the idea anyway. Like, how does one end up owning apartment buildings? How do you end up having like tons of multi or short-term rentals how does this happen you know so then i was like okay let's hop on a call i guess you're gonna tell me so i thought oh, it's gonna be one of those calls where we catch up and it's a friend telling me how well they're doing but his intention was to tell me how to get into real estate, you know, and to say, don't let me be the only one doing this, like, come on board. So then he told me about another podcast called The Bigger Pockets Podcast, which I'm sure many of your listeners may have heard if they're into money stuff or into real estate. So I was like, he was like, you need to go listen to them. So I started listening to them and I was like, this would be so interesting if there was something similar for the African market. Oh, I'm South African. So uh, I was like this would be so interesting so then i called my business partner dr miranda mulatto and she was listening as well to bigger pockets and i brought john into my courses to come talk about his real estate journey so he was in one of my courses and he came twice to speak about real estate and he had a q and a so it was very long and lengthy and he gave us resources so i started reading and i was like I've always been fascinated by real estate. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I always thought you needed a lot of money to the point where I've been a protege and a mentee to some of the top people in real estate in South Africa. But it just, because the deals that they did were like hotels, commercial property. So obviously then you need a lot of money. So I thought, what if we did this for the average person? Because what I loved about bigger pockets was that it was like, Ordinary people talking about their real estate journey. So without even thinking about it for too long, six months later, we'll, uh, who's Dr. Miranda, my partner, we're just like, let's do this. Let us start a podcast where it's going to be for the average person, but it's going to be people in South Africa and the African continent and in the diaspora talking about their journey and we're looking specifically for people that are just your ordinary everyday people doing epic things in real estate which is literally how we started we didn't even know many people at that time that were doing that so we just went from one person and asked another person do you have asked them after the interview do you have a friend you could refer to us and now two and a half years later almost three years We're at episodes 127. So we've already recorded 127 episodes, several bonus episodes. We've been featured in different things. We've started a real estate investment fund. So it's just been, it's just grown really beautifully. Yeah. So, yeah. And then now, then with Money Magic Podcast, because I was doing the Property Magicians Podcast, when COVID hit, I was like, you know what would be really dope? because people are stressed about, oh my gosh, what's this gonna do for my finances? What's gonna happen with money? And nobody really talks about what's happening with the nervous system side of things when it comes to money. And that's been my work for years and years, right? So I was like, it would be just nice to have not just my voice talking about trauma and money and healing trauma and money and how it's changed my life. But to really start interviewing my own clients and having everyday people who are not super famous, sharing their journey, sharing their stories, sharing how when they started working with me, what are some of their aha moments, what is their definition of trauma now, what has shifted, what they do differently with money. And that's literally what I did. And that podcast is now at 70 something episodes. And it was great because it was COVID times and I got to, we were all indoors, right? So I got to record many, many episodes and just get to talk to people and hear their stories, which was so beautiful.
0: I love that. And that, that is quite a feat to have that many episodes. So I congratulate you on that. Thank you. And I'd love to just, I'm curious, find out when you talk about the nervous system and finances. Mm -hmm. i'd love to hear more about that and what do you think happens to people with trauma and finances
1: well i always say to people trauma is not the big things in life right it's not the we often think especially with money yes having a business fail that is a huge trauma right, losing money, huge amounts of money, that's a huge trauma, seeing family members fight over money, being constantly told that you're, uh, that you're not gonna succeed, those are huge trauma events, but trauma isn't always the big things, it's also the small things that leave us feeling powerless, or leave us feeling completely disembodied, completely disassociated, leave us feeling numb so that we can not, so that we can't really show up fully as ourselves. Now, this is really important. If you're not fully in your power, whenever you're dealing with anything money related as a business owner, as um, just as an employee, all these things that means that like you're probably not able to fully negotiate for yourself that affects money right so it might not look like it's got anything to do with money but it affects your finances If you're not feeling fully safe if you've had events that make you feel unsafe and having more money will lead to more visibility or more people knowing things about you because, well, you have money, you now drive a fancy car. So driving down the road with a fancy car, suddenly eyes on you and that doesn't feel safe to you, your entire nervous system is going to feel dysregulated. In that case, we're either going to do one, we're going to do multiple things, but I always say we do one of two things often when it comes to money. We're either going to block ourselves from expanding, which is allowing ourselves to make more money and keep allowing money into our lives, because if it doesn't feel safe, we have to put a receiving set point so that we don't allow more money to flow into our lives, or if we can make that money, we'll get rid of money as fast as possible. Right. So uh, we'll get rid of money as fast as possible. So, as soon as we make money, we spend money in ways that we don't even understand, or will manifest emergencies out of the blue so that we never have to hold on to money because the holding on to money isn't something that our nervous system is capable of doing, in which case we then need to work on healing the nervous system. And of course, in the same way as receiving money, let's not even talk about creating passive streams of income through investing, which as you guys already know, the listeners listening in already know that that's something that I'm very passionate about through the real estate, right? That we won't even be able to think that far because anything that makes us more money or allows us to hold on to money is going to freak us out. So we'll get rid of money and we'll also block money in different ways, right? So even if we want to move forward, we just, even if we want to expand, if it doesn't feel safe to make more money, why would the subconscious mind allow us to see opportunities? In fact, we will block and sabotage ourselves from seeing those opportunities and taking advantage of those opportunities because everything that the mind does is to keep us safe. The mind isn't geared to get us to thrive. It's geared to make sure that tomorrow we are alive, that we stay alive, right? And so, if the if the subconscious mind, if the nervous system is communicating unsafety and feelings of oh my gosh this is do or die to the subconscious mind the subconscious mind is going to do everything in its power to make sure that we stay alive and if the nervous system is saying oh making more money is unsafe the subconscious mind is going to be like whoops let's not see that let's not see those opportunities let her not show up let's not do any of this let's not allow money to come in no way it's
0: interesting Yeah. So it's, we're blocking a lot of things through and probably a lot of it subconsciously, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it is subconscious, but I think that we don't talk enough about the relationship between the body and the mind and how the nervous system and the subconscious mind are constantly in interaction and how For years we've been told that everything starts from the mind but I don't know if you've ever had this experience, which I'm sure you have, so many of us have had, where you walk into a room, for example, you don't know what's wrong, but you can sense it in your body, but the mind doesn't know because there's no logical reason. So the first thing, the first thing that receives unsafety or receives messages is the body and the nervous system. And then it goes into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn mode, right? And then the subconscious mind then later takes its cue from that. And then our behavioral actions then follow suit. You know, it's like when you meet someone and you just get this weird sense. And then instead of being polite, the things coming out of your mouth are like, what is happening? Let me try and be a polite person, but like nothing is behaving in that manner. I know I've had that, (laughs) that experience and I know other people have had that as well. And then a few years or a few months later, you find out that there was something completely off about this person, but you couldn't have known that. There's no way that you could have known that, but everything was happening on a nervous system level. And that's the other thing, like nervous systems can co-regulate to each other. So for years, we've been taught that our... that it's the stories that are told in our families around money, right? So I sometimes speak to people and be like, they'd be like, no, we didn't even speak about money in my family. We didn't let alone even say money is bad or good. It just wasn't a topic. So how can I feel this way? And then when you get them to go back and see how their parents managed money, even if money was okay in the family, and they're like, why do I have the set point? We were just okay then they realized that, oh, whenever my mom was budgeting with money or whenever my mom was handling money or dealing with money, there was something going on at a nervous system level. I could sense, I don't know how I knew it, but I could sense her frustration. I could sense her fear. I could sense her anxiety. And now as an adult, I'm behaving the same way with money. And having the same emotions, but my behavioral reactions around money are completely different and are even way more intense than her reactions. And that's because as children, it's not so much what is said, it's also what we are sensing. It's what we're co-regulating to and who we're co-regulating to as they are managing the finances and dealing with money. So it's still that whole thing of, it's not what's being said, but it's what I am sensing and feeling, which as women for years, we've been saying that, right? It's like, not what you're saying, it's what I can sense. And I can just, you know? So that is really, really true. There are studies that are showing that there is nervous system co-regulation. And then, then we're teaching, then the nervous system learns from our caregivers that, oh, when I handle money, This is how I feel. This is how I should feel about money. So then we grow up and we're like, why am I so anxious? Why am I so scared whenever I deal with money? Why am I so, why do I feel so guilty whenever there's money in my account? Why am I feeling such shame over debt and all these things? Well, you learned that your nervous system learned that this is how you should feel when it comes to money. And those emotions are now starting to drive financial behavior.
0: Yeah, and that makes total sense. And we definitely children, especially pick up, they're a lot more sensitive and intuitive than people realize. So now if you are working with clients and you know, they have these tensions towards money, the fears towards money, are there any simple tips that you can give them to at least get them moving in the right direction?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. So um, when I started this work, I used to have panic attacks around money to the point where I couldn't breathe. Like really, really terrible panic attacks around um, withdrawing money. So touching money used to be a huge trigger for me. Just the weirdest (laughs) experience, you know. But I think that, I suspect that maybe a lot more people struggle with that. It's just that now we swipe a lot more. Mm -hmm. you know so there must be a reason why we love swiping versus touching cash and I just say to people for me it was an extreme so when people come to me now the first thing I say to them is if you're struggling to save money look at your bank account now I know this is very scary for people but I say five minutes a day just looking at your bank account You're not trying to change anything. You're not judging. You're just spending five minutes looking at your bank account, shut down the app or put away. If you're doing printed, a hard copy of the bank account, put it aside. I love doing this every day. So I do recommend just the app or the website for your bank and just scrolling through and just looking and then just spend five minutes observing your breathing now that you've looked at your bank account what's happening with your breath the breath and the emotions work hand in hand and then over time start in those five minutes start focusing on your body as well right so do this every single day for as long as you start to realize that there's some kind of reaction and then just notice what is happening in your body don't try to judge anything keep it down to five minutes so the entire exercise is 10 minutes in total and then over time start looking at where your money is going so with time as your breathing starts to change to slow down you start to notice that the sensations in your body are not as intense start looking at your bank account again and what you're going to do this time is you're going to start looking at where your money is going and you're going to start evaluating if this is in line with your value system right? And then you're going to start asking things like, and then you're going to start looking at what is the shortfall. So if you want a cash life, or you want to minimize your debt, how much money are you overspending every month from your salary or your income? And that is not so that you can contract yourself. So this is where I teach this work really differently. I believe that desires I really, really valid the things that you want in your life are so important. So this is where we start talking about expansion. How much more money do you wanna be making to be able to cover all these desires and have the life that you want? And just break it down for yourself. Do you need to, if you're in a job or if you have a business, How much more do you need to make every month? Is it gonna be an extra $2,000, an extra $5,000 a month? How does that look like? And then you start going into, if you have a side hustle or a side business, what does your business need to make? Let's look at your clients. How many clients do you have to service? Let's look at your pricing. Is that feasible? Do the clients, does your clients, um, the clients that you wanna service, and the pricing that you have, is it in alignment with the lifestyle that you desire for yourself now, or even in another year or two, or even in five years, if you can think that far ahead. So you really wanna also start building a business that is in alignment with the lifestyle that you desire. And I say this more often for women, because for most of us, you're going to have children, right? Not everyone, but some of them are going to have children and those are the majority of my clients. What does that business look like when you are making those life-changing decisions? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Do you mind having nannies around? Are you going to be working on your business? Really just thinking about that and then building a business that allows you to have the life that you desire and still meet your wants, needs, and a full-on deep pleasure desires as well.
0: I love that. That's I like that you do a lot of the visualization with them too, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't do that and thinking about like what do they really want and then how is this gonna align with that. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears just a little bit because I'm very <laughs> interested in also um the real estate portion how you got into that and and how you're helping people with that as well because I would agree that I at least I've always assumed that you have to have a lot of money to invest in real estate that's always been my opinion but tell us if yeah. they're wrong <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so I like I said I always assumed this for years Ah uh, so what I learned in real estate and what how I mainly help people is with my business partner through, so I'll answer that quickly. It's through the um, podcast. People have learned how to start investing on their own through our real estate podcast. And then we started an investment, a real estate investment company, which is... Um, fund, really, it's not a company, it's an investment fund. So in South Africa, they are called stock which is collective investment schemes. So these are schemes that back in the day when our parents couldn't afford to say send people to send children to university or buy houses cash and they didn't have access to certain opportunities because of apartheid South Africa what the community would do is they would come together, and they would all raise funds and take. The students uh, take the kids to university through the stock file funds, you know, or you join a stock file and you uh, it's a saving scheme so at the end of say 12 months you then have more money than you've put in. And then you use that money to build a house to extend to do all sorts of things so you've got stock files for everything so we then started one for property right, And the reason why we chose the stock file model is that we don't. St- uh real estate uses fancy terms once you start saying investments you've already gone into fancy fancy language fancy english right so we wanted a term that everyone in south africa from our grandmothers all the way through to the younger generation understood if we said it's a property stock file, They completely understand what it is that we're talking about. We don't have to over explain. But if we said, oh, it's a property investment fund, it's the same thing. So we're just using different terminology, right? Mm -hmm. And what we then do, so if people have very, very little money, say you only have $10, $20 a month to spare, you can then start investing in real estate by being part of an investment fund where you are now part of a communal investment fund. So if you don't have $100,000, we, through just the collective, we can raise $100,000 and invest in real estate deals. And one way that you can invest in real estate, there's many different strategies in real estate. So I'll go through a few. I'm starting with the one that we're using with the fund, which is that, let's say an investor, is buying a property and then they have to put down a 20% deposit, but they don't have that 20% deposit. They would go to what is known as a hard money lender or um, venture or angel investor or something. So they could come to someone like us who is our who's doing the fund and then we'll say to them okay we see the potential in this project. we're going to do due diligence on this project, and then we will come back to you and tell you what we want in terms of the interest rate. So then we can come back and say okay we're going to invest in this project, but we want to put our money in for a year for 15% and in return you will give us uh, in a year you pay us the capital and you pay us the 15% return on investment and then we can then take that money and go utilize it again but our members can also get their capital back and get interest which is often more less risky than the stock market per se and sometimes even um, makes more than the stock market per annum. So you can go all the way up to 25%, 30% deals per annum, per six months. We've interviewed people, even in the U.S., in Atlanta. We had this girl from Atlanta, Georgia, and she was doing the same kind of thing. She started with $10,000, and she said by four years, she had already made $40,000 from the strategy of just loaning out to investors. So you get that. Then there's also a way to do this. Let's say that you are walking around and you see a really great building maybe it's dilapidated but you know that like if an investor can buy a building at a lower fee um, and then renovate it and then resell that building they can make so much money you can literally go to someone that you know that's an investor and say I've got a deal pay me 20% or pay me X amount and I'll give you the deal and I will tell you how to make money from it. That is called sourcing. So a lot of people make money from sourcing in real estate. Then there's your ordinary way of investing, which is uh, what I think a lot of people believe you need a lot of money for, but it's not true, which is I own a home. Now I wanna go into real estate investing. So what can I do? I can go get the house revaluated, refinance my property, take whatever equities in that property and use it to buy another property. Go to the bank and say, I'm interested in this property. Use the equity from the previous property to buy another property. And I can do that over and over again. So then I renovate this, uh, this particular property. It's called the birth strategy, which is I buy, refurbish um, and refinance, right? And so what you do is you go in see the property you refurbish it you increase its value it appreciates in value you refinance it you take out the equity out of the property and you use that equity to buy another property and you just keep doing that um another strategy is literally um short-term rentals which is right now most people think that you just need to if you're doing airbnb or you're just doing co-working spaces in other parts of the world. Like I have a friend that I was telling to do this in Mexico. So she's already started doing this as well, which is um, renting a property. I did this in Thailand as well, which is you rent a property, the property is gonna be nice, right? And then instead, and then you talk to the landlord and you ask if you can sublet the property. A, you can put the property up on Airbnb and get more money for it per, uh, per month right so you're paying the landlord a certain fee but then you're getting more money because you're dealing with the tenants on Airbnb and and you're managing the property all that so you can do that or you can create co-working spaces use the property for something else so there are multiple strategies in real estate right and i think that's really really important to know you don't have to have there's no one way to build a real estate portfolio. I know many people who don't own the properties but are renting the properties and then subletting them for various things, conferences, they sublet them for um, Airbnb, all sorts of things.
0: Th- this is totally fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I really never thought about I mean I really haven't thought about a lot of those ways that you just mentioned. That's so fascinating
1: yeah that just it's it's such an interesting industry right even flipping right if you have a property and so there's another strategy house hacking so house hacking is how do you hack your own property so that you never pay money on it right Um, and someone else is paying your rent, uh, your mortgage. So if you have a three-bedroom property and you're living on your own, and this is how I started in real estate. I got a two-bedroom apartment on the beach and I just rented out the um, the other bedroom because I was never home, I was always traveling. So I rented out the other bedroom and that meant like I was paying half for my mortgage already from the jump. So I was getting to live uh, at my place, but I was paying half of what the neighborhood usually charges, which is perfect and really, really lovely. But most people go as far as to say, I'm buying a multilet for that very reason that like, if I have a multilet, I can live in a small, in one part of the house or one part of one apartment, and then I can rent out the other apartments, and then the tenants are paying the mortgage, and I'm living rent free. So that's also a very, very powerful way to do it. And I've seen a lot of travelers also do that. Like I have some friends who are travelers who also do that. So when you uh, move to a particular country long-term, you can rent out a property from a local for like say four bedrooms and then you can Airbnb the other bedrooms as and when you want. And that way you actually end up um, saving money on rent and you barely pay anything on rent. You're living rent free. So there's many, many cool strategies. You can also flip properties. So if you buy a property that's run down, usually go to banks and look for properties that are going on auction or that are in distress. Talk to the land, talk to the owners, buy the properties, fix them up, make them beautiful, resell them at a higher price.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. I'm learning so much right now. So, this is awesome. So, this is probably along the lines of what people will learn if they listen to your Property Magician podcast.
1: Yep, definitely. This is exactly what they're going to
0: learn. That's awesome. Well, this has been such an interesting conversation. If anyone is out there listening and they want to know more about the connection between money and our nervous system and learning how to hack that, which is mm-hmm. our first podcast that you have, right? The Money yeah. Magic podcast. Or they want to learn more about how they could possibly make money investing in real estate. Cause after listening to this, maybe they'll realize, hey, I, I can do this. This is something that is feasible. What's the best yeah. way for them to do that? Okay,
1: so the best way is to go to a wealthy That's all on there, but For property magicians, just go on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, search property magicians. You'll find us, you'll find the podcast. And then I also have a free training that people can do around uh, healing, around tapping into ancestral money wisdom, where they can go and look at um, how do you start to use your own ancestral wisdom to start building the business that you want and to start increasing income and expanding and even investing you can go to wealthy-money.com forward slash training again wealthy-money.com forward slash training and you will get access to the seven day tapping into ancestral money wisdom training
0: Awesome. And we'll have those links in the show notes too. So you guys can go directly there if you want to get in on this, which I, this is awesome. I'm probably heading there after we uh, end this podcast, because I love it. This, this piqued my interest now. I've always been interested in investing in property. So I love it.
1: Um, Thank
0: you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today and for being here. I've loved this conversation with you.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you so much to all the listeners. I'm really, really excited that I got to be here.
0: And I love share it. Others. Yes. And please go check out her podcasts, both of them. And I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe, please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. And the greatest compliment you can pay me is to share this podcast with anyone you think might benefit from it. If you want to work with me, you can go to melissaoatman.com. You can follow me on social media. I hope that you guys are having a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I'm sending you so much love and light and I will talk to you soon. Bye guys.